I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things. Today we'll be covering the second episode from season two titled Chapter Two, Trick or Treat, Freak. I love that title. <laughs> <laughs> and just to let you guys know, so this week's episode is sponsored by Freshly. So if you want to check out Freshly, go to Freshly.com. So Freshly is a meal delivery service that sends fully prepared fresh meals for the week. Freshly does all the meal prep, no shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. The alternative to eating takeout and having to cook up meal kits. All you have to do is heat and eat. Each fresh meal is ready to eat in about three minutes. The meals are already prepared. You just heat them up and you'll feel good about eating them. So they're a healthy option. You know, they're always fresh or never frozen, and they're 100% all natural. No artificial flavors or preservatives, no refined sugars, no gluten. And it's easy. Just go to Freshly.com, choose your meal for the week from the rotating menu. Freshly sends them to you in a refrigerated box. And make sure for our listeners, if you go to Freshly.com, use our promo code STRANGE, which will give all of our listeners that use that code two weeks of chef-cooked deals for $40 off. What you'll get is $20 off your first order and $20 off your second order. So awesome. Thank you, Freshly. Thanks, Freshly. Yeah, check those out, guys. Super yummy. So also, today's Strange Indeed is brought to you by the word bullshit. So. <laughs> it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like going back to like Sesame Street. Today's a, <laughs> today's episode is brought to you by the number twelve and the word bullshit. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back talking about this show with you, Sean. This was um, totally missed talking to you about this, having to hold off watching, and so. Glad to have you back. Are you ready? Okay, so let's get started. And Sean, since you were on vacation, I'm going to let you go first this time around. What is your number five? All right, so this episode takes place in one of my most favorite times of the year. This is actually why I decided to travel where I did on my vacation, because I wanted to see what they did over this season, this holiday, and that is Halloween. Yes. So it's a super exciting time for the kids. You know, all of our favorite heroes, Dustin, Lucas, and them, they have probably some of the greatest Halloween, homemade Halloween costumes that I've probably ever seen. Like, I wish my mom had the skill, and I wish I had the skill, too, to push my mom to make these outfits. And they had these awesome Ghostbuster outfits equipped with the, the you know, the lasers. You know, they had the trap. Um, I love that the fact that they fight over who gets to be, uh, they fight over who's Winston, <laughs> like who's supposed to be Winston. 
Um, you know, it's great that the, the two have the interaction back and forth. It's like, wait, why do I have to be Winston's? Because I'm black, isn't it? It's like, no, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't, I, when I was a kid, um, I kind of stopped doing the Halloween thing about third grade, second or third grade. Like, I was pretty young. What? Yeah, Golly, I just. that's young. I didn't really, I, I don't know if I said I didn't like it, but um, the way I kind of think about it is I was a pretty observant kid. And whenever my mom and my aunt would take us out, you know, obviously they were, you know, adults and didn't want to be out that late and everything. I think I picked up on that. They didn't really like us. I didn't really like have a lot of fun taking us out. Uh huh. So it was one of those things, you know, being that observant kid, I was kind of like, well, I mean, I, it's okay for me, but I don't care for it that much. So I would decline to go to kind of make it easier on them. Oh, you were a kind and thoughtful little boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wasn't a huge, and this will probably get me kind of some flack too, but I'm not a huge chocolate fan. Like, I don't mind it, but it's not my favorite thing in the world. Uh-huh. So candy and stuff was never, like, my big selling point for Halloween either. But as I got older and I get into college and it's like, oh, you don't like Halloween? Well, come out to a college Halloween party. And quickly I discovered that being an adult and being in Halloween is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more eye candy I get to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, if you think <laughs> Halloween as a kid is awesome, wait till you are an adult. Oh, yeah. I still don't. That's that's the one. I'm like you. Halloween's totally my favorite holiday ever. You know, um, it's the one I really get into and love to celebrate. I want somewhere to go, something to do. I want a costume. You know, I don't even care what it is. It it can be gross. It can be, you know, I don't care. Something original, something fun. Um, Yeah, I think I love it. And I loved it as a kid. And I didn't care how old I was. I was going to go trick-or-treating. Um (laughs) Yeah, my sister, I think she trick-or-treated up to the time she was like 17 or 18. Like She was still in high school trick-or-treating. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her for keeping it alive. She had to make up for you quitting so early. Yeah, she had to yeah, double up on the time. Now, did you take her candy when she got home? Um, did you I don't, sneak into her candy stash? I mean, I might have stole like a Reese's Pieces here or there because like, that, that is the one kind of candy that's kind of my soft spot. But uh-huh. I don't remember um, taking a lot of her candy because – Again, I, even to this day, I'm not a huge candy fan. Like, it's okay, but it's not something that I crave all that much. Mm. That is where we differ. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that was kind of cool about this, too, is, I mean, every kid gets that age where there's that, that junior high, grade school, like, you kind of realize that some of the kids have grown up and you haven't. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you see the kids rolling up on their bike, singing the Ghostbuster theme, and they're all, like, excited about it. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I wonder what all the other kids are dressed up as. And you see Dustin kind of freak out. He's like, guys, guys, why is nobody else dressed up? I know. That was, it It was, it is that weird time for them because it's like you're still kind of in between that yeah. kid you know, too old to trick-or-treat kind of thing, or at least to be seen in public, you know, trick-or-treating or something, or going to school in your costume or something. Um, yeah, I, you think it was going to be something, like, absolutely horrific, you know, when you see Dustin turn around like, yeah. guys, guys, oh. and it turns out it's just because the kids aren't dressed in their costumes. <laughs> and it's, you know, it seems like those kids aren't naive enough to be like, oh, you know, you know, those losers aren't dressed up. They must have forgot what day it is. We're the cool kids. <laughs> Because that's a, that's enough. Like I remember that moment in my life where I was kind of like, "Oh shoot, I'm not a cool kid," and like it's very devastating when you make that realization. Like you know, it was in eighth grade, 
and I said something about something, and some kids said something to make fun of me, and everybody laughs, and I'm like, wait, you guys are being mean to me. Oh, I'm not a cool kid, am I? (laughs) I'll go back to my books. Yeah. It's a tough age. I really felt for them because I feel like, you know, it, it is fun to dress up. and But, you know, you're also at that time where you don't want to be a kid. You're trying to be a grown-up, you know, or at least an older kid. You know, you want to be more like the high school kids. You don't want to be like a little kid anymore. Um, that's when you're trying to grow up. When you get to be an adult, then you want to go back to being a kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of, yeah, like the whole thing, like, oh, who cares? Like, you dress up, you have fun. Like, what these people care about you in grade school and high school, like, that doesn't matter. Like, yes, it does matter. This is everything right now. Yeah, it's a a big damn deal when you're living in it at the time. It's hard to, to, like, let your freak flag fly, you know, at that age. You don't want to be different. Um, That was tough. Yeah, really good. Yeah, and the only other funny note I had with that is, so they're going around house to house, and this is, I'm guessing Ghostbusters just came out probably the year before or something like that. Yeah, I think it came out. I, I'm pretty sure it was '84, which is the year that we're on in Stranger Things. Okay, so so it probably had just like recently come out. Yeah. Um, and so you go door to door, and there's the old lady that gives out the candy, and she's like, "Oh, look at you, exterminators!" <laughs> like we're not exterminators. And they look so like defeated, like yeah. oh, you know they. I mean, you see how awesome these costumes are. Oh, They're they so are. They are good. Legit. The and the thing opened up like Dustin even showed us. He pushes a button and it flipped open. Yes, all the time and effort and thought. And you know, it's like the coolest thing because I mean, the coolest thing at that in eighty four, or at least one of the coolest things that I remember was Ghostbusters. That was huge, and it's still cool. It still holds up. It's still super awesome. Oh yeah, you that know, first one's awesome. Yeah, still one of my favorite movies. So, um, so yeah, that was a huge deal at the time. And uh, you know, knowing all the effort that these kids put into their costumes, how excited they were to be dressing up as Ghostbusters, and then this old lady totally pops their <laughs> balloon with like their exterminators. <laughs> But it's so my number five is just kind of tying this whole like Halloween atmosphere and the costumes and the fun and just you know the the kind of given that like greatness of Halloween in just one quick shot. I know it's great. I agree. What a good number five because you know this show just gets me. You got the eighties, the nostalgia, um, Halloween. You know my favorite time of year. We just had Halloween was, um, you know, what was it, just a, like a week ago. It was a week ago today. Um, so, yeah, favorite time of year. Oh, good number five. So my number five, and I, I number these just because I can number them, but they're really <laughs> not in any particular order. I'm still being completely defined. These are not in really in any particular order like this is my favorite and this is my least favorite. These are just, uh, but I am numbering them. So my number five is the how and what of 11 finally getting out of the upside down oh yeah i love that yeah so i'm i'm really excited that they didn't make us wait too long to i mean because it is the second episode so we didn't find out exactly we knew she was back but we were like well when and how did it happen and you know some of the questions we you know we weren't quite sure so so they didn't make us wait too long they kind of jumped right in in the beginning of this episode where we got to see exactly what happened after her showdown with the demigorgon and what happened so i'm glad that you know we didn't have to wait too long because i really hate it when they draw it out i'm glad that we got enough to be like well here you go here's what happened with 11 and here's how she kind of got out i think there's still some questions 
uh, with with all of that, but I'm I'm happy enough for this moment being at episode two that um we at least got to see it. Um, so we see that she found that same hole that the Demogorgon came through at the school from the finale um, in the first season, and you know she's kind of she sees the. Uh, Oh, cops, or is it the government man? I'm not exactly sure who it was on the other side because it was kind of um, that gooey stuff was kind of obscuring the view. But, you know, she yeah, finds I, that hole. And I think that was the government because it seems like when she government? came out, like there was a, there was no bodies anywhere. Right. So it seems like that might have been the cleanup crew. Like, okay, well, they are trying to cover their tracks because they look like there's like blood being dragged. Like yeah. They're kind of cleaning up the bodies and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're probably right about that. So, um, so yeah, that to me told me that that's where they were because the there was uh, whenever Dr. Brenner and all of those people showed up to to take Eleven back, you know, they all got taken out when Eleven, um, you know, squished their brains or melted their brains, whatever it was that she did to them, and then the Demogorgon comes out and takes takes out Dr. Brenner. So there's blood on the floor, blood trails, blood, um, you know, obviously bodies have been moved and such. So she makes her way back to Mike's government. People are there interrogating the entire family about, um, you know, keeping things covered up. If she comes back interrogating Mike, (laughs) you know, Oh, fucking Ted. Um, (laughs) We are all Patriots in this house with a salute. Jesus. God, I just cannot express enough of my distaste of this man. (laughs) I mean, he seems like a, I mean, all in all, if you have absolutely no idea what's going on, I'm sure Ted is a fantastic guy. I mean, whatever, you know, I mean, he completely, he's completely disconnected from his kids, which, you know, is not awesome, but he seems like a stand up guy. He's got a job, takes care of his family, does his thing, you know, but man, with all this other crap going on, he's just like, you know, he's the guy that kind of like does just enough, like. He's not going to exceed. He's not going to kind of go like too far under the bar, but he's bumping up about like, you know, it's like, oh, I just want to hate you. But, you know, you at least mow your lawn every two weeks. So, (laughs) you know, it doesn't technically go past the the regulation size, but, you know. He would be that guy, wouldn't he? He'd be the Mm -hmm. um, president of the Homeowners Association, making sure everybody's (laughs) mailbox was painted the right color. (laughs) (laughs) That's not burgundy. Oh, it's fucking Ted. <laughs> fucking Ted. <laughs> but yeah, I just, um, I don't have too much to go into that point. I was just happy to see that we got a bit of an answer. You know, we see her struggle uh, out in the woods. And she, I think, had been, because, you know, we know that from the first episode, she was she's with Hopper. And he's hiding her in that cabin. And we see more of that in this episode. But she spent, I think, some time out in those woods. Because you see her still, she's dirty. She's still in that dress, and my God, she's got to be freezing cold. Uh, it yeah. was winter time, Chris, or like Christmas time, or close to Christmas. Whenever um, she went missing at the end of the the first season, um, so it's freaking cold out there. It's Indiana. It's full on winter. It is cold, and her hair's grown out some. And it doesn't say exactly how long she's been out there, but she's been out there struggling on her own for a while, and it just made me think of how sad it must have been for her, that existence, for her not being able to, you know, communicate with anyone because she has seen that she can't go to Mike's house. She thinks he doesn't really want to have anything to do with her um, because of what she saw and heard whenever he was being interrogated. Um, 
and she's been out there for some time, at least it seems like a month or two, I'm guessing, just based on her hair growth, because her head was, like, shaved, and hair grows about an inch or so, like, every month or two, I guess, I mean, it's different for every person, but I'm guessing she'd been out there at least a month or two on her own surviving before, and that was something else we don't really know, is, like, when Hopper found her or anything, we know he's been with her for some time or hiding her for some time, but we don't know exactly the timeline of all of that. But I'm I'm just really glad that we got to kind of see a little bit of what it was like for her and what was happening to her during all of this time. And yeah, that I'd we really didn't have be, to wait too long. I'd really be curious to see, like, how Hopper found her. Because she was out there on her own. Like, we saw her kill a squirrel, so we get to go hunting with Eleven. You know, she has the most efficient way to hunt ever. <laughs> yep. Um, the guy that comes up on her, like, she doesn't kill him, but she, you know, throws the flaming log at him <laughs> to take his, you know, his coat what? and stuff. <laughs> But then, like, I mean, so we see that Hopper was filling that um, box uh, with egg Lego egos and things, and I wonder, you know, did he come across her somehow? And he's like, okay, it's like a wild animal or like a a dog that's been abused. Like, you got to slowly start, like, like, hey, you can trust me. Here's a treat. Hey, you can trust me. Here's some food. Right. Hey, you can trust me. Here's like a place you can stay on the porch. Hey, you can trust me. Come inside and kind of like slowly you know, building that trust with her. Cause now you see like their relationship's really strong. It seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it seems like it had to be a slow progression. Cause she, she, the only person she trusted was Mike and the crew and barely the crew. It was mostly just Mike. That is true. It's really good observation and good point about leaving the food in the box to kind of build that trust relationship. Um, I think she saw a little bit of it with them towards the end with the adults as the adults found out who Eleven was and, you know, Joyce being that mother figure to her in those last few episodes and Hopper, you know, um, I think kind of projecting a little bit of of his situation after losing his daughter Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's kind of taken to Eleven and trying to be real protective of her knowing the, you know, situation that she's in of these people being after her and her being, you know, her being special as she is. Um, so I think that she did, she did, but she wouldn't just, I think automatically go to the, like, obviously she didn't just go to them for help. You know, she went to Mike for help and realized she couldn't go there. She didn't like try to go to Joy. She didn't try to go to Hopper then and be like, you know, I need help or I need to be hit. She, you know, she only went to Mike and somehow Hopper did need to build that trust. And I'd be interested as well because we don't know how did that, how did that whole thing start with the box and the food mm-hmm. and the because, how did I mean, he discover her? I don't think she had a real strong connection with Hopper when they first like met. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Joyce. I mean, he was there mm-hmm. and she knows who he is, but there's not like a, oh, you're a fatherly figure. It's like, hey, you're just a cop authority. Right. And to me, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. That's all she knows about adult males at that point is her papa mm-hmm. and any other of the scientists or government people that she was exposed to um, at the facility from, you know, that we saw in season one. So that's all she knows. I wouldn't blame her for being you know, scared of another adult male, you know, regardless of how he was, um, you know, during their first meetup, it's not enough for her anyway to just go to that person and ask for help or anything. So that was my number five was just, I was glad to see, you know, kind of get a little bit, I think that there's still questions, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay getting some questions, um, or having still have, having some unanswered questions as long as I get a few answers. Hopefully we'll get the rest of them, but for now I'm okay with it. So what is your number four? So my number four, in this TV show, I have tried my hardest to find some guys that I can absolutely hate with a passion. <laughs> I thought Steve the D was the guy, <laughs> I know where and this he, is breaks, going. <laughs> he breaks my heart, and he becomes a good guy. 
There's fucking Ted, who I still think I can kind of not like him, but like, there's not like a burning passion. But I feel that I have found the guy I can hate and be mm-hmm. okay with hating, because to me, I'm going to coin him the brother from hell. <laughs> I don't think I don't know if they said his name yet or not. I was trying to find it, but Billy. Billy, yeah. So Billy, Max's brother, is a flaming or not? I'm going to flaming is the right word. He's just like a raging douchebag to like an nth degree. Like he's a murderous. Like, psychopathic, like, just jerk face. Um, you know, when he gets in that car, like, he's, like, I don't know what the age difference is. Like, I mean, there's a, it seems like it's, like, at least three or four years difference, maybe. Yeah. And you'd think at that point, like, you'd want to be, a, like, a, like if there's a year difference, like, you're usually close enough in age that, like, there's always that kind of sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's like, oh, I need to be more protective because this is my younger sister. It's like, no, you're late again. You're fucking skating home. It's like this town. This town smells like shit. And rolls down the windows. Like you smell that? That's that's cow shit. Yeah, like, oh, it's not that bad. And I I want to know. Like we barely know anything about him except that he likes to wear jean jackets and tight jeans and listen to eighties hair band music. Other than that, we don't know. Well, we also find out too that he's he's great at chugging beer from kegs, which is always you know girls. You know, if you want to find a true man that'll be by your side forever, uh-huh. you find a man that can, uh-huh. you know, do keg stands. You know, those are always the best guys. That's, That's what like I was always looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing that, like, you know, there's a couple things, actually, I guess. But, you know, as he's coming up on the, the, the boys on their bikes, I legitimately think he would run them over. Like, if it wasn't for Max and them falling off the side, I think he would have clipped one of them and hurt them badly. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it gave me like very much like a sense of like uh, um, the Lost Boys. Like if if you put him in that movie as a vampire, like I think he would fit perfectly. Uh-huh. Because I was like, he's going to run him over. He's going to drink their blood. That's what I saw from him. But the other thing I, I seem kind of interesting is they're driving. Like he's getting on Max real bad about like, well, why are we here? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it that we're here? And she kind of says under her breath, like, it's it's your fault. And he gets real defensive about that. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, like, why are they here? Like, it doesn't seem like it's Max's fault because she seems like a pretty level-headed kid. Mm-hmm. But this guy seems like he's off his rocker. So, like, is he the, like, did he do something bad in, their, in California that forced them to come all the way across the country to Indiana? Hawkins, Indiana, to be exact. Exactly. What the hell? Who Who picks that? <laughs> I'm trying to think. So his name is Bill. I was trying to see like we had Eleven, who was L, but Max and and Billy don't really seem to fit any of those molds. Um, but but yeah, I I feel pretty confident that this is a guy I can hate, and so I'm gonna stick to that until he he's probably gonna prove me wrong. He's probably gonna save L, and like he's gonna have this great backstory about how he saved puppies from a burning building or some bullshit <laughs> like that. But for now, Billy is my number one hated man in this TV show. And he's doing such a good job <laughs> of it. I mean, he's playing this asshole character, I think, really well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he still intrigues me, though, because I feel like we, we've got a, we've, we've got Steve, who's been redeemed. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Steve the redeemed. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it amazing that we can say that? Um, yeah. Knowing how much we we really dislike Steve, the you know um, those first several episodes, and then seeing his arc throughout the first, the first season, um, and then to see him now, um, 
So we got to hate somebody, right? It's like yeah. you said, we can definitely hate on Ted, but you know, I'm not passionate about Ted. I'm not. He's just like, you just annoy me. Go away. <laughs> you know, flitter off. Shoe fly. Don't bother me. Kind of thing. Um, Billy, I feel, is a good, strong character that we can really get behind the dislike. And I really, you know, I, I, I'll probably get in trouble for this because I liked a certain character on Fear the Walking Dead that was considered a complete psychopath. But I liked having him on the show. I think he brought... Uh, some depth and some character and I think it made like the things that that character did uh, made the other characters interesting as well like how it makes them react to certain situations so I think that having him on the show is despicable as what he is I'm not condoning his behavior by any means I certainly don't want him running over our you know favorite kids on this show by any means um i think he's definitely a bad dude he's got a chip on his shoulder that's it's not a chip it's a boulder (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know um there's obviously this kid has you know obviously known for trouble and i'm real curious to to find out what like you said what was it that happened that made them why did they have to go all the way from from california to in to indiana what in the world did they have family did they just throw a dart at a map and you know this is where we're going you know what happened that you know and and obviously he i think he made max take the blame for something that's what that's the feel i get like something bad too yeah like he he did something really bad and he made max take the fall for it and which you know i just what little we know about those two i definitely don't believe it for a second. It was totally something he has done, but he made Max take the blame for it, and uh, which makes it even more despicable. He has he has doesn't even have any kind of doesn't seem to anyway. Maybe it will change. I don't know. I'm trying to you know see what might happen, but basing it off just this episode alone, um, he doesn't even seem to care that much for his own blood, his own sister. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, let's he's super like I've I've got a younger sister, and we've fought like we've yelled at each other, but it's never been like that aggressive. Like, yeah, uncomfortable. Maybe maybe from the outside looking in, it would have been. But I feel like it's never been that where it's like, oh, my gosh, like he might actually hurt her. Yeah. And then you see him like at that point almost run these kids over like that. That dude's a psychopath. Like there's something not right with him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's a difference between just fighting with your sibling and sibling rivalry. And and, and I mean, I've seen, you know, some pretty knockdown drag outs between some siblings before, but this was different. He was very aggressive towards Max and even I felt threatening mm-hmm. towards her in the car, you know, about whenever she was like, oh, yeah, it's your fault. And he's like, what? What did you say? And I mean, that was very threatening and menacing to me. And I thought, man. You know, that isn't just, you know, sibling rivalry stuff. That that was, I felt, just very menacing. So I don't know. I'm interested to, to learn more about him, what happened. Um, he's certainly earning quite the reputation, even still being the new kid in the town. Um, you know, he had lots of friends at that party. That yeah, were, he did. You know, he, he was already making friends, and I'm sure with the right crowd, too. But, um I like the fact too at the party where he made the point after he broke whatever record that Steve set to go and like get get into Steve's face and be like, "Yeah, broke your record, didn't I?" <laughs> yeah, the, it's quite a different um, set of circumstances to see Steve today versus yeah. when we saw him mm-hmm. last season. So, but he yeah, seemed- some. 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just he seemed real worried about that record breaking thing. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't and Steve didn't seem too upset about it, which I kind of again kind of made me like him a little bit more. Because like you could see in high school be like, Oh, you broke my record. All right, babe, you stand here. I'm gonna go That's right. do a keg stand for twenty minutes. It's a pride and, thing. Yeah, and he was just like, All right, whatever. I'm with my girl. So, you know, go away. Yeah, like congratulations. <laughs> go away. Yeah, very interesting turn of events that we have. Yep. So my number four is just this brother from hell. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> so my number four is Hopper and Eleven. So I, I, it kind of merges a little bit with what we've seen with Eleven kind of on her own and um, doing what she's doing. And now we get to see... Now she's with Hopper, and I love, love, I could go on all day about Hopper. If anyone that listens to us knows how much I can go on and on about Hopper, I love him so much. Um, I really love seeing this side of him. We got to see a little peek of him as a family guy and a father figure, uh, you know, in flashes from the um, last season with his daughter and whenever he was um, still married to his wife. So I really get a kick out of seeing, um, seeing him. And I think you mentioned before of, of how kind of cool it was that he's got like a purpose now. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really like that. It seems to keep him focused and like, he does have a purpose. I feel like he's, you know, was kind of aimless before. And now he, he, he has someone like who needs him. And I think that that's important for a lot of people is, is, you know, people who need us and keeps us going. So I really love watching them to react, um, and, and being together on the screen and how they are together. I think it's really sweet, um, how protective that he is of her. And I love it so much. He's standing at the stove with his back to the rest of the room. Cause it's not a very big cabin. It's all open. Um, and he's got his back to the rest of the room and he's cooking breakfast and he kind of just turns around a little bit and sees her covered up in that sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I'm a ghost. A ghost. <laughs> that would have certainly gotten the same reaction out of me, probably with a couple of curse words thrown in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was. Uh, I'm not a big fan of people jumping out and scaring me like that. So I would, yeah, I would have thrown out a couple curse words. Hopefully, wouldn't have thrown like the pan or the the French toast at yeah. it. Um, yeah, same here. I would have either thrown it at that object or maybe just dropped it in general. Um, if I'm, you know, <laughs> it, it would have been a disaster, that's for sure. And yeah, some curse words would have been thrown. Um, thought that was a really great genuine reaction from David Harbour. Um, that was really fantastic. And it really, I thought it was really funny. It was like a callback to E.T. You know, she's, oh, yeah, she's yeah. wanting to go trick or treating and she's like, well, no one's going to see me. You know, no one will see me. No one will know that it's me. It won't be any big deal. And I can go and trick or treat with, you know, the rest of the kids. And it reminded me of whenever, um, Elliot and his friends dressed up E.T. and covered E.T. up with the <laughs> sheet and <laughs> I keep seeing that image in E.T. where they're walking him down the street, like with all the kids are out trick-or-treating and they're all holding hands. And you just see little E.T. waddling down the street covered up in that sheet. I thought that was great. Um, I thought it was really cool. They have rules Mm -hmm. about keeping her hidden and why it's important. Um, telling her, you know, like they repeat. Obviously, they have a thing because, you know, she's like, you know, we're not stupid. You know, so this sounds like something that they have, you know, gone over a couple of times at least. 
Um, yeah, when they're talking about risk, it says risk or stupid. And what are we? We aren't stupid. Exactly. Um, so I thought that was really cool that he is, you know, trying to be like trying to acknowledge the fact that she wants to be like a normal kid, but he can't just let her be like a normal kid. He can't let people know that she's there. And he's I'm curious, as like, what does he think is going to happen? How long can he keep her hidden? How long can that go on? You know, is there ever going to be a point where they're not going to be looking for Eleven or wonder where where she's at or that they're not going to be watching him or the, the rest of the kids and their families about, you know, that she might possibly show up five years down the, you know, down the road? So I'm curious how long, you know, what's his game plan? Is he just playing it day by day or does he actually think he can just carry on this forever? Because I I feel like... You know, I think she's in a better place than what she was when she was at the facility with Dr. Brenner and all of them. But is her isolation any different, really, do you think? Um, I mean, at least in this, she has at least one person that I feel actually cares for her and is trying to keep her mm-hmm. safe. I mean, the facility, it's just kind of you're just a test subject. So, I mean, you're you're kind of in that same isolation, but you're being, you know, prodded and tested. And here it's more like. It's at least some more of an emotional bond, not just that test subject kind of scenario. Yeah, definitely. Hopper definitely tries to to treat her like a kid and and not an object and a person and not an object. Like, I feel that she was true with Dr. Brenner. And I feel like Hopper does truly care about her, whereas Dr. Brenner, I think it was kind of questionable how he really cared for her or cared for her as a person versus his test subject. Um, but I still think it's kind of lonely. I mean, it is different. It's not as um, cold and clinical like the facility was, you know, with the, the concrete walls and, you know, medical kind of room and bed and things. At least it's somewhat homey. It's a cabin. She's got TV. She had quite a few channels. Uh, you know, she's. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I mean, it seems like back in that day you had like four or five channels and she seemed to have a fair amount. Yeah. And it was super cool. She was like changing the channel, like, like just kind of a, a real subtle flick of her head and kind of blinking, <laughs> kind of like a genie. I dream a genie kind of thing where she's just kind of blinking and changing the channel. How handy would that have been in the day? Because if anybody yeah. remembers 1984, I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't have a remote control. You had to get your ass up and change that channel. <laughs> I, That's why you had kids. Yeah. It's like, hey, smack them on the head. Go change, Go change the channel. Go change channel to, to – Two or whatever, because that's all that we have is like two to five. <laughs> and if you're fucking Ted, it's like it's six o'clock. Whack! Turn on the news. Turn on the news. <laughs> but um, well, and hey, as a kid, that's why I sat so close to the TV. What they told you not to do is not sit too mm. close to the TV because it ruins your eyes. I sat close to the TV because I didn't want to have to get up to change the channel. I just kind of had to lean in, you know, and change the channel but um how cool would that have been uh back in the day before there were these you know cool remote controls and gadgets to uh control what we watched um but i thought it was really sweet how he he was protecting her being more of a father figure to her uh trying to um like keep things normal for her as normal as what they possibly can. He was trying to make Halloween special for her. He, you yeah. know, he promised to be home. He did the whole, um, I like how he spelled out compromise. Cause he's like, it's a compromise. And she's like, what's <laughs> compromise? And he said, uh, C O M promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to respect that. Cause I'm an awful speller. 
So just to be like, hey, it's something like this. I'm sorry, I can't spell it all the way. Yeah, but I think he also, another side of that was um, just so she could understand, because I think she understood what promise meant, because she would, didn't she and the kids have a thing last season about a promise or something? Promise yeah, was kind of, yeah. a, I feel like, a strong theme. Uh, with her and the other, like with her and, and Mike and the other kids, um, you know, promise meant something. And I think he recognizes that with her as well. And notice, you know, the C-O-M promise. Well, she understands what a promise is. And he promised to try to make Halloween special for her. He was going to come home early. They were going to watch some scary movies. He was going to get some candy. You know, at least try to, you know, compromise with her as far as what she was wanting to do and make her understand why she could not go out even even dressed in a sheet. Um, so I just, I love their whole interaction. I love seeing Hopper as a father figure. It just totally um, expands more on, I think, uh, makes him, brings more depth to his character. Um, and I love it. Can't get enough. So that's my number four. I'll stop gushing about Hopper now. <laughs> well, I will continue the gushing because this was actually my number three. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and a few things, I mean, you kind of touched on a bunch of them, but like we were talking about the compromise where, you know, that was her word of the day. So obviously he's kind of, you know, trying to help her vocabulary out. And, uh, you know, when she agrees to it, he's like, well, it's kind of like a meeting halfway. And she's like, is that okay? Like, will this work? And she's like, well, halfway happy. Um, so, and the other thing she still says like five, one, five instead of five fifteen, And so they, they make this promise. He's like, listen, I'll get some candy. We'll watch a scary movie. And, of course, he gets kind of uh, sidetracked by the current investigation. But as he's rushing back home, what he does is he buys candy <laughs> off of a kid, which, I mean, is is I think it just shows because it probably would take him longer to get to the town, get the candy, and come back. So it's like, listen, I'm just going to buy this candy from this kid. Probably five bucks back then, I would imagine, would have got a lot more candy what he got from that kid, oh, too. Oh, definitely. And so he's taking that back to her, and you see the distraught on his face. Like, he, he kind of tries to be the, the dad or the adult by, like, hey, open up, kid. Let me mm-hmm. in. And uh, even when he does, like, he she's in, his, in her room. He tries to go there, and, you know, he knows that she's mad. And he tries his hardest as he's sitting on the couch to, like, get her to interact with him. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to sit out here and eat all this candy by myself <laughs> and get fat <laughs> and have a heart attack. <laughs> Typical parent trick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love to, I don't know if you caught this, but on the, uh, the radio that they use, they use Morse code. And did you see what channel they're on? No. They're on channel 11. Get out! Yeah. So I caught that, uh, just a little bit of it, which I thought was kind of cool. And so he's teaching her Morse code, so it's a little bit safer. And, you know, he obviously says, hey, I'm late. So he gets her, gets her that information. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool that they, um... He taught her enough. I mean, there's the chart that she can reference, but I feel like you still need a, you know, a little bit of education and try it out a couple times. You know, I thought so. I thought that was super cool. You know that they can communicate that way. Well, I mean, it just shows the level of like, and we kind of saw some of this where the government's like, "Hey, you guys can't talk about this." Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. And so he's taking a pretty big risk here because I'm sure his life has been threatened. Oh yeah. It's like, hey, you you keep all this under wraps, or hey, you're gonna have that overdose happen when you're sleep. Yep. And so he's going all the way out to this cabin. He's you know taking care of her really well. Um, so I mean, it just again shows the greatness that is Hopper. And plus the fact French toast. I don't know if you like French toast. I love French toast. It is probably my favorite thing for breakfast uh-huh. ever. And you know that looked like some pretty good French toast. Oh my god, did it ever? The man can cook. Yeah, I, I see. I want to marry Hopper. I know what. Uh, 
I want someone, if you don't like Hopper, I want to know why. So anybody that's listening, if you don't love Hopper as much as what we do, then I want to know why, because it's unacceptable. The man <laughs> is is awesome. And yes, I do love French toast. It is probably one of my favorite breakfast foods. Uh, who doesn't love uh, some French toast with a side of bacon? Mm. If you want, so uh, I just came back from my vacation, and the reason I keep going back to the place that we go to, on their breakfast buffet, they have French toast, but in the oh middle of God. it, they have cream cheese. No. Yeah. You want to talk Jesus. about heaven. Yeah. Try that out with some bacon. Mm, good stuff. Good oh stuff. Oh, my God. You know, this is really awful right now because I'm on this diet where it's like no <laughs> carbs, like zero carbs. And You're- I am like... <laughs> I'm still eating good because I can still have bacon. It's like, um, you know, so I can have bacon and other things, but like as far as any type of carb, uh, no, zero zilch. And right now that is like just, it is hitting all the feels right now. (laughs) (laughs) Some French toast. It did look really good. It didn't look like a sore attempt at French toast. Like, oh, sorry, this, I know this sucks, but hey, that's what we're having. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like the, it's egg on bread. It's like, that's legit French toast. And it looked toasted to perfection. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's not, because you get some people that make French toast, they'll get it too burnt, or they'll make the egg where it doesn't cook all the way, or they won't mix the egg right. I know. No, he had that mixed right. He mixed it. His mix was right. He, I think he had a good ratio of how 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 long he dipped it in the mix, the bread in the mix, <laughs> and it was just perfect. Sorry, Hopper's perfection. And I'll throw this out there too. So people that I'm not a big fan of putting cinnamon on my French toast, and I didn't uh-huh. see any cinnamon on that French toast. So he's definitely like another section of my love for Hopper is getting added for that. I'm okay with cinnamon. I'm I'm okay without it, but I'm okay with it like some vanilla, like pure vanilla. Mm, vanilla and doesn't sound bad. Yeah, put some vanilla in your French toast when, mm, or in your mix, that. like when you mix your milk and eggs, or if you're using like um, a whipping cream, if you use that in your instead of like just milk, the thicker it is, and put some uh, real vanilla, not mm. the imitation stuff, the real stuff. Um, but I'm okay with cinnamon or without. Uh, a really good like French toast is bananas Foster. Okay. Uh, French toast that's really good with like some candied pecans. Holy Ooh, shit! Can you can yeah. you tell I'm on a diet here? Because that sounds delicious. <laughs> you're gushing about food. Oh, I love me some Sorry, pecans. Sorry, people. Mm. I'm I'm suffering here. I'm on a no carb um, <laughs> thing, and it's killing me because I'm I'm a carb girl. Okay, that's awesome. But, yeah, really. So- your really number four kind of led into my number three was Hopper and L as well. So what do you have for your number three? My number three is something I, I talk about a lot in the show because I love it so much, but I feel I got so much of it in this episode. It had to be differentiated and not put into the notes was music and references from the eighties. Oh yeah. What do you, what do you, I know you catch these things better than I do. So what do you have for all these? Well, I'm, I'm going to promise I'm probably leaving a lot out because I didn't count everything. I feel like if I didn't really care for it that much, I wasn't going to talk about it because if I don't find it interesting or if I don't love it, I'm like, whatever. Um, but talking about things that I really do love, of course the kids are ghostbusters. So what do we hear? The ghostbusters theme song. Oh my God, how many times did you hear that as a kid (laughs) when this this movie was out? This was like the best theme song ever. It was super catchy, and it's all over the place. You hear it a couple times throughout this episode, and I loved it so much. I don't think I've heard it in a while, so it really brought back some 
uh, good old 80s nostalgia. We got, while Eleven is watching TV, uh, a commercial or an ad for The Terminator. Yeah, that was, oh, that was old school, like, uh, TV movie uh, commercials. Yeah, wasn't it different? Arnold Schwarzenegger is (laughs) the Terminator. (laughs) I know. It was it was very different how they would advertise movies to today with these, you know, big deal movie trailers and they release like a teaser and then you get a trailer and then another little teaser and then another trailer. You know, it was so different um, back in the day when they were advertising movies. So that was super cool because I'm a huge, huge Terminator fan. The original and T2 are some of my all time favorite movies. Um so really, really love that reference. Um, got a real kick out of that. She's flipping the channels, and she flips to an old school episode of All My Children. <laughs> <laughs> and we see the super famous Erica Kane um, on, on the screen, played by Susan Lucci. If anybody was a fan of the ABC uh, soap operas in the day, knows uh, who Erica Kane is and uh, knows All My Children. Um, I was a huge fan of that soap. <laughs> Whenever I was a kid <laughs> and growing up and into adulthood, I feel like I, you know, Erica Kane was, um, you know, a, a big part of my life. So I really, really love that. Uh, the music. This was, I, I love the music all throughout the whole series. It's always been great. It's always been spot on and it always touches a place in my heart. But this episode so far, I don't know what the rest of the season holds because I'm only on this episode so far. Um, but this really... Like, because we get Billy, we get more of Billy. We only saw just a, a, you know, a few seconds of him in the first episode. We get a little bit more of him, good or bad, um, in this episode. And say what you will, but he's got a damn good taste in music. Because um, he, he's in the car, and he's blaring some Ted Nugent, Wango Tango. And, <laughs> and I loved Ted Nugent. I grew up on Ted Nugent. Um, I'm a big, big, uh, fan of the, uh, um, oh, what is he? He's from Detroit. So he was the, uh, Motor City Madman. Oh yeah. 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 So big fan of Ted Nugent. Great music at the party. They're jamming Molly Crew, mm-hmm. Shout at the Devil. And that was one of the first albums that I fell in love with as a kid was Motley Crew, and had the album of Shout at the Devil. Oh my God. That's it was a great amazing. Halloween, like party soundtrack song too absolutely definitely appropriate for halloween and for the halloween party that they're out totally appropriate definitely appropriate for the time the album was released in 1984 so it definitely would have been appropriate um at that time so i mean this whole thing was like a um you know a a theme and and soundtrack of my life (laughs) this music that they played but i also love because you get the the wild and crazy ted nugent and motley crew rock and roll um, but then you get the flip side of some Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Bob. Oh, he's such a corn dog. Yes, I he mean, is. <laughs> I mean, he's an adorable corn dog. <laughs> I love, I, <laughs> so when he's dancing with her, he's like, you know, he goes into like, hey, maybe we should move. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Wine makes me loopy. Wine makes me say things or something like that. I really hope I don't go. I don't feel like I've had too much to really say about Bob at this point, but I really hope as a side note here off from my number three a little bit. uh, I hope he he is who he truly as we see him just as a core adorable clueless corn dog um, and not like a bad guy. Yeah, I'm in the same boat on that. 
Like, what if he's a, what if, you know what? I just, what if he's like a spy? What if he, oh, I hope not. What if like, because we know like the, the government is like keeping an eye on them and they're waiting for them to trip up. They're waiting for something to happen. They're on the lookout for 11. They know she's out there somewhere. They, you know, they're, they're going to the facility. Will's being checked on all the time, um, you know, at the facility and, we know that that's still a part of their lives. We know that they're still having to be careful. They're still having to keep things covered up. They can't talk about what happened. You know, nobody knows what really happened to Barb. They're all keeping it covered up. What if they somehow, you know, got Bob to somehow, you know, get into Joyce's life as this really awesome guy and he turns out to be a spy. Oh my God, that's just totally going to ruin it for me. I just totally ruined Bob for myself. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. I'm, now I'm kind of angry at myself. Um, that I did that because I, I'm kind of ho- holding on to the hope that he was just this adorable corn dog, but now I'm starting to have doubts. See, this is what all of these TV shows I've ever watched have done to me. I'm a complete cynic. I can't believe in good anymore. There's always yep. got to be another side. I've got to be, you know, the cynic here. So sorry, people, if I ruined that for you, like I just ruined it for myself. Um, but anyway, that was my number three. I'll get off of that subject because now I'm mad at myself. Um <laughs> That's my number three. It was just short. It was sweet. I didn't feel it was appropriate to just leave it in the notes because as that music is playing, as I'm seeing all these cool references, Terminator and all my children and and all of this happening in this one episode, it was just, just like fireworks for me. It was, it was beautiful and it was awesome. So thanks Duffer Brothers and Sean Levy for putting all that in there. I love you. My number two, uh, I'm going to kind of go back to Halloween. We talked about just a little bit, but is the high school Halloween party. Yeah. So, you know, I love that Jonathan decides to go. I don't, I'm trying to figure out if he actually let his brother go out by himself because he wanted to go to this party or if because Mm -hmm. he was trying to actually help his brother out. I kind of think it's the latter. And he just kind of like, oh, remembered, oh, yeah, there's that party thing. I'll go check it out. Yeah. I think it was genuine. I think he saw it as a bonus. Yeah. That, to I, go to the party. So And totally something I would have done. Like he gets there and like some drunk girl's flirting with him. It's like, oh, I love your costume. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a guy that hates coming to parties. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I think, um, I, did, what was Jonathan, or not Jonathan, what was uh, 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 Steve and Nancy's costumes? You know, I don't know i was trying to figure that out too like steve was really hooked on those sunglasses wearing those inside and um which kind of annoyed me but i thought well if it's part of a costume whatever i can forgive him for that um was it was he the rest of his 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 costume i don't feel fit to it but it felt like a tom cruise kind of thing I mean, we know nancy's got a thing for tom cruise because yeah she's maybe got a poster of him you know, uh, hanging up in her room. And it reminds me of Risky Business, Okay, uh, Tom Cruise in the sunglasses. But I don't feel the rest of his outfit really went with it. Yeah, and hers, I mean, hers kind of felt more like a 50s vibe to me. I know. I couldn't quite figure hers out. I thought maybe it was like Grease or something like that, but his outfit didn't really fit. And that's the thing I was like, that took me away a little bit because I'm like, they made a big deal about their outfits early on. Yeah. And I was expecting something more like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. That's from the 80s. But it was more of like, what are you guys? Explain. Yeah, exactly. If if anyone else out there has a clue, uh, please feel free to uh, leave us some feedback and let us know what you think those costumes were. Because I didn't get a clear 
uh, vibe one way or another. And it didn't seem like, because they're, they're high school kids, some of them, nobody was, I thought, there were some that were, I think, kind of dressed up, but some were just kind of wearing, you know how, like, you go to a party, maybe we're just like, or maybe girls, anyway, and maybe not guys, but wear just, like, cat ears. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or something. Like, you're not really dressed up, but you wear, like, all black, and you wear, like, cat ears. Or something very, like that. Very last minute costume. Yeah, like just a show. Oh yeah, I'm in the Halloween spirit, but I'm not going full on costume kind of thing. I don't know if that's what they were kind of doing. Like Steve's just wearing. I'm just gonna wear sunglasses and be the cool, cool kid. I don't know, but I'm interested. If anybody has a clue, let us know because I want to know. But then you get the great experience of the drunk girl at the party. Mm-hmm. So Nancy, you know, she wants to be a crazy kid, crazy teenager, and she drinks a little too much. And, uh, you know, again, I got to feel bad for Steve because, like you said earlier, it's what? all bullshit. You, you feel you feel bad for Steve? I do feel you bad gotta, for Steve. I <laughs> I'm going to make you repeat it. <laughs> it's because now, like, I think I hated him for two episodes and I've started to gradually like him more and more. So, you know, it's it's actually like I'm pro Steve now. But, you know, she's like, our love is like bullshit. And he's like, wait, like, I thought we had something like. And he <sighs> legitimately is, bro- but I feel like he's had to deal with enough drunk girls in his high school, like career that he probably should have realized that, but he shouldn't have just stormed off because he didn't seem like he was too drunk. No, he seemed pretty together. And I know like parties and things like that. Like I never want to leave you know, like my girlfriends back then alone at a party like that. So it kind of felt not safe. And maybe back then it wasn't thought of as unsafe, but you know, she's there by herself and, the knight in shining armor, you know, the love trio that mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, Jonathan comes to the rescue. I know. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think of all the other kind of things you see at the party that kind of make a Halloween party. Uh, you got the guy who has the, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, the pure fuel. You know, she goes over to drink that stuff. He's like, what is this? Pure fuel. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to tag on to just, to just one thing. I understand like Steve, you know, he was hurt, and I totally get that. She, I thought, it, even though she was drunk, and, you know, you don't always, you know, sometimes you do mean what you say when you're drunk. Sometimes you're more honest. Um, I feel, though, she was pretty harsh when she even went so far as to say, you know, like, they're, like they don't really love each other and calling it bullshit. Um, I thought that was <laughs> pretty harsh, even for poor Steve. Um, he's He's grown on me a little bit as well. <laughs> uh, he's, you know turned himself a little bit, I feel. And he is definitely not the same person I feel that we met in, in season one. So I, I did feel bad for him. But the only thing that I, I did feel was that he could have done better was I get that he was hurt and he left. But I feel like he should have not left the party completely. Like he should have been outside in his car and watching that door like a hawk. Because oh, yeah. He no should, good point, yeah. He should have... You know, this is my expectations of a, a really good guy and really good boyfriend that no matter what that girl has said to you, no matter how much she has hurt you, you still care for her. She's still your girlfriend. Um, and she's really drunk right now, which you know, Steve should know, is really out of character for Nancy. This is not who she is and not what she does. And he should have made sure that she made it home safe because by just leaving and not seeing that she made it home safe from that party was not right. I don't feel he should have stayed, you know, okay. Yeah. She, she did a not so nice thing. I get that. No, no excuse for her, but as her boyfriend, he should have stuck around and made sure that she made it safe. And maybe he did, maybe he did see her leave with Jonathan and that 
maybe would set him off like it did the last um, season where he sees them two in her bedroom together um, after their little, um, when Jonathan and Nancy had their little venture out and he saw them, he was peeping through her bedroom window and saw them together. Maybe that will come to point later on, but at the time we assumed Steve left the party. He should have stuck around. I'm sorry. Um, to me, that's, that's what a, a real guy does is he should have stuck around and made sure that she yeah. got safe. I'm glad that she had Jonathan looking out for her. Thought that was interesting that he once again comes to the rescue and um, is there for her. And but you know, lay her on her side or her stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you never brought a drunk girl home before? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to bring her a bucket, put it next to the bed, then put her on her side so she's right there in the bucket. Exactly. You don't lay a drunk person on their back when you bring them home drunk from a party. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously his first time doing that. <laughs> it was very sweet of him to make sure that she got home. I'm wondering, though, how did he get her home past her parents? Well, see, I was wondering that, too. And I don't know if uh, Ted and them were home because uh, he was supposed to meet uh, Mike there. And so he was already going there to pick up Mike. Okay. So I don't know if, if, if he did sneak past the parents or the parents weren't there. But, I mean, yeah, I had that same thought, too. It's like, you know. It's like, oh, hey, Ted, I got your drunk daughter here. I'm just going to take her up to her room real quick, okay? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. She's completely covered in whatever drink she was drinking. Uh, she can't even walk. You know, you can see Jonathan is practically carrying her. Um, so, yeah, she, I was thinking because it just shows him they're, they get out of the car walking across the yard. Uh, and then you see him in her room uh, laying her down, which is very nice of him. It was definitely, I'm not giving him shit about it other than just to make sure she's on her stomach or on her side um, thing when you go off and leave her. But how the hell do they get past the parents? At least the mother, because we know fucking Ted is probably, if, if he is <laughs> home, he's probably in bed, completely oblivious to what's going on. But you know, her mother is definitely around the corner, you know, uh, waiting for her to come home. Um, so, but yeah, can you imagine Ted? At a, do you think Ted went out to a Halloween party? Well, I mean, it's Ted's probably already in bed. It's probably like yeah. eight thirty when he gets back, <laughs> so he's already he's been in bed since like seven, <laughs> wearing his pajamas, <laughs> being like those old fashioned like grandpa pajamas. <laughs> I imagine that those two have like separate beds too. Like they have two different <laughs> twin size beds, like the fifties. Yeah, and like beds. she comes up and he's pushed the beds together. She's like, "Not tonight, Ted. <laughs> Fucking not tonight." <sighs> Oh, fucking Ted. <laughs> oh, my God. It's cracking me up. Um, but, yeah, th that was the only thing that I was going to add on to that was just, um, you know, Steve, yeah, you're a nice guy, but you should have stuck around and made sure your girl got home okay. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's it. So my number two, we've kind of already went into it. That was one of your earlier points was Billy. And I think that we covered him pretty well. We don't get too much of him in this episode, so I don't feel there's a lot more to talk about him than what we've already covered. I think we're going to see more, uh, good or bad. I think we're going to get there. So I, you know, I'll just we'll skip over my number two because that's really all I, I said. What I needed to say. Any additional points when you talked about him earlier? So let's go ahead and get to your number one. All right, my number one is kind of short and sweet. Uh, Dustin's coming home from a late night of candy gathering <laughs> and Full we saw this in the candy at that. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw in the previous episode, like something outside that kind of causes interest, but you couldn't figure out what it was. And I don't remember if I coined maybe like a mini Demi Gorgon or something, but do we see that his trash can shakes? So he goes over to take a look, has his uh proton out, points it down. And we just get a, what the, 
Or does he say, oh, shit? I can't yeah, remember oh, if it was shit. Yeah. It doesn't quite come all the way out, but you know that's what he's saying. <laughs> so I'm re- like, not really much there. Like, I don't know what's in the trash can, but it's obviously something that's caught his interest. But the fact that Dust, you know, this is total Dustin move to take his fake costume weapon and use it against something in a trash can. What was that thing going to do anyway against it? <laughs> doesn't know. work. Uh, I, with Dustin, I wouldn't be surprised if it did work. That's true. Dustin is pretty amazing. But yeah, my number one is just what's in the trash can. I really want to know what's in the trash can. It was like a gremlin moment. Mm, yeah, good call. Is it? Is it something? Is it? Is it a good gremlin or a a, a mean spike? Mogwai. Mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Sean! That is like the <laughs> best gizmo I have heard <laughs> ever. Oh my god, I'm gonna make you do that all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make us cover all the Gremlins episodes yeah. just to do the voice. I'm gonna make you do like the news or something in your <laughs> Gremlin voice. That was fantastic. I could totally do it. Oh my god. That was so great. That was a little hidden treasure. I didn't know you could do- <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. That's fantastic. That was almost better than Gizmo himself. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it was like a total gremlin moment. How adorable! I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Is it a spike? Is it a gizmo? What's what's, what's in yeah. the trash can? Or is it just a cat? It could be just a cat. It could be. It could be like a. It could be a raccoon. Raccoon that's going to trash cans. <laughs> it probably realistically, it's Steve the D. He just went in there and crawled, <laughs> and that trash can's crying. He's crying because his love is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all bullshit, Dustin. It's all bullshit. <laughs> I do feel a little bit bad for Nancy. She's really struggling. That would be yeah. hard knowing the truth and having to keep it secret. Oh, yeah. That would be hard. I don't I don't, you know, condone her behavior exactly, but I understand it. Um yeah, what's in that trash can? So that that goes pretty well into like my number one is just the growing mystery. Um it's like what 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 is going on now? You know, in, in Hawkins and, you know, like, what the hell's going on with these pumpkins? Everybody's freaking pumpkins are rotten and it stinks. Well, not just pumpkins now. It's like some of the soybeans, I think it was, mm. or some of the other crops are starting to die off, too. Yeah, lots of bad stuff is going on and it's 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 happening in a hurry. Like, they're like, this isn't just like a, you know, an overnight or it, it is happening overnight. But what what acts that quickly overnight? What kind of poison or or uh chemical can you put on something that makes it rot so fast um like that and so that's a big big um thing that's happening will is also at the same time having these flashes of the upside Uh down in his episodes so you have all these things happening um it's like and then yeah and then and then what the hell's in that trash can at, at dustin's house there's all these little pieces that you know, that we're getting. And it made me wonder, you know, we see Will is, he's experiencing these things and he tells Mike about it. And he uses the reference of the, um, the viewfinder. Did you have one of those when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one you click and it like spun. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those. I love those as a kid. So, you know, he, he kind of talks about that whenever the two, uh, kind of two pictures kind of come together and he's talking like how he's like in this world, but then he goes into this world or is, is their world normal Hawkins merging with the upside down? Is there, are they starting to come together? 
Well, or is he just like? Does he have the ability to walk between worlds now? Maybe instead of having to go through a gate, he can just he just is there. Is he the flea? In no, the no, flea? yeah, maybe that's a good call. Yeah, um, because of the because he kind of died in the upside down, so maybe something with that triggered him to become the flea. No, that's a really good call. I don't know, but it's like something's happening because this is happening more frequently. He's having these visions. And what the hell? That freaking shadow monster, whatever you call it, Jesus. That, I mean, it was scary in the first episode whenever he was outside the arcade and we we see this. That was scary enough. This thing is, but you kind of get a little bit more of it. You see it a little bit more up close and see that it's like made of a shadow kind of type. You know, you can just see like the texture of it. And it reminded me of the smoke monster from Lost. So with the shadow monster, what's kind of weird is the – so it's not just like this big monster, like this big physical thing, but it looks like it actually kind of like seeps. You know, like it just kind of – it's like a fog slash just like this creepy thing that keeps extending and extending and extending. So in the first episode, it looked like it was the – like this actual physical form. But in the Halloween piece where Will goes into the – his kind of version of the Upside Down at that point, he runs down some steps, he hides, and it's not the monster like – coming towards him as much as it's just kind of like continually growing and seeping towards him which is always a creepy feeling since like you hide behind a door it just like would creep underneath the the um you know the bottom part of the door to get you yeah that was super creepy and it was very effective and scaring the hell out of me i almost felt like will as he was like experiencing that i felt like i was experiencing the same as i'm watching it on my tv i'm in a safe protected space in my room watching it on a tv but i felt just as scared as will watching this damn thing like come creeping over the tree line um and it yeah it reminded me a lot of the smoke monster from lost um this mm, yeah yeah definitely scared the hell out of me more than what the smoke monster did um, on lost, but reminded me um, of how like the form and the texture and the shape a little bit um, kind of took place. So that that's my number one. It's just like, what the hell is going on? There are lots of things uh, I think happening all at the same time, you, you know, uh, maybe that we don't know about, like not everybody knows about the pumpkin. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do because a lot of people seem to be talking about it and people are pretty pissed off. At least the, the, the pumpkin growers are pretty pissed off about it. So I'm sure they're all talking about it and word is getting out. Um, but you know, and, and a few people know about like what's happening with Will. Um, but you know, we don't, it's like nobody's been able to put the pieces together yet to kind of figure out that something's happening again. But so. Hopper's starting to, because what does he find on that tree? He finds that goop. That goop is coming back. Ugh, yes. <laughs> and he's telling me stuff. As, as he's on the radio, like, he's like, yeah, there's this stuff on here. We don't know if it's poison, so don't touch it without gloves. <laughs> and we look at Huey and Dewey. And he's Huey and Dewey. <laughs> got on, the dude with the mustache that's got on his fingers is smelling it. 10 4 <laughs> boss. <laughs> Oh my God! What would we do without you and do it for some comic <laughs> relief in this show? <laughs> okay, well that's my number one. I you know it's not a whole lot. It's just like more questions. What is going on? Are the worlds merging? Are we seeing the doorways are still open? You yeah. know the gates are still open. So are things starting to seep through? Is Hawkins you know going to be taken over by the upside down? What's going on? I don't know. Do you have any notes? I've got two notes left. Um, so the first one, uh, we see the facility, and it looks like they're really intense, like researching the upside down. Because you see one of the guys go in, he changes some kind of battery pack, 
And as he does that, it seems like the the facility gets more power. Mm. So I don't know if what the deal with that was, if it was the facilities getting powered by the upside down or if it's just something that's pulling in data from the upside down. Um, I was really intrigued by that. Well, and we remember because it, it was just a little bit uh, from the first episode where that you kind of referenced it like a Jurassic Park reference where um, they're sitting in that control room and things start bleeping uncontrollably. Um, I, I wonder if there was some sort of power surge or power loss or mm, something mm-hmm. and it was happened in the upside did something occur in the upside down to cause that because then once he did whatever he did uh they looked and they're like is it all good yep we're all good so i don't know that i was kind of confused by that i was however concerned that he did not have any kind of tether um like he yeah. went in like, without like anything keeping him from getting or well i guess nothing can prevent you from getting snatched but at least keeping you somewhat tethered so you either don't lose your way back or you know something uh, you know, tethered to uh, the the facility on the other side. So that was a little concerning. And again, is there hazard pay involved? Because <laughs> <laughs> And then my last note goes with Joyce and Hopper. So they're sitting around the table and they're sharing a cigarette and they reminisce about a time in high school where they're under the bleachers sharing a cigarette. Yes. And my thought is I wonder if cigarettes were the only thing that they were sharing under the bleachers Mm-mm. back in high school, Mm-mm. because I feel like those two have probably, probably they've banged. Let's just say it out loud. They've had sex. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of it. You're going there. <laughs> <laughs> you're going there. <laughs> but it seems like he's got some kind of emotions for her. And it seems like she kind of does too. It's kind of like, like old high school lovers kind of thing. Like, you know, we really like we had something and then for some reason it didn't, you know, continue, but you meet back up years later. And it's like, why didn't that work out? Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that too. That was a really cool moment. I have that in my notes too, them remembering old times. And and I think it confirmed because I think we wondered and speculated a little bit when we were talking about uh, them in season one. Like, you know, are did, did they know each other? Uh, like how long has – because we didn't really know, like, is Hopper from that town – you know, that, you know, is he, uh, you know, a known person in the, in the area or is he somewhat new ish, you know, a transplant kind of person. Um, so I think that that really, that did confirm for us that they have known each other for a long time, which is what I was leaning towards. I was hoping for anyway, because they seem to have that easy relationship with each other, that they're able to say things to each other that you can only say to people that you've known for a long time and have that kind of relationship with. Um, so yeah, that was a great moment. Yep, so those are the only two notes I have. So what what do you have for notes? Golly, notes, notes, notes. I have I really liked uh, the kids are getting ready for school and they uh are uh getting their pictures taken by their parents or mothers. <laughs> <laughs> I love the differences between like Lucas, he's like totally like voguing for the camera and just loving every minute of it. Mike hates it. He's like, "Ugh." You know, completely being aggravated by our motherly duty of having to take pictures because, you know, our kids look so darn cute in their costumes. Um, and he just absolutely hates it. So I really like those moments and the differences between the kids and, you know, being all psyched up about being in their costumes. Also, we, we touched on a little bit earlier when we were talking about the kids when they got to school and, and who was supposed to be who what's wrong with Winston. Why, why, why do people not want to be Winston? Yeah. I thought Winston was always kind of a badass. Yeah. I mean, I know that he wasn't like, I guess what you'd consider an original, he kind of came in late um, to the game, but I thought he was funny. Um, you know, when, when he talks about 
and 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 Ghostbusters you talk about you know that's a big Twinkie, you know in in the original Ghostbusters. I I liked Winston. I thought he was funny. Maybe he wasn't an original uh, in the beginning, but I really liked Winston. I want to know what the what the issue with Winston is. Um, I like Hopper's line where he said where he's talking to Joyce when they are reminiscing and kind of having their moment and kind of remembering old times and remembering sharing a cigarette under the bleachers. I'm with you. I think they shared something more than. Um, uh, then I don't know how serious it was, but I think that they shared something more than just cigarettes. Um, but I like how, you know, they had kind of a serious moment as well. And he was saying nothing will ever go back to the way it was, but it will get better. I thought that was a really great line and, uh, just couldn't love Hopper more. I just love everything he says and does. Um, another little piece of nostalgia from the time that pencil sharpener. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I did notice that. <laughs> Do any kids nowadays know what the hell that thing is if they see it? um, It's got to be all mechanical pencils now, right? Like nobody has a sharpened pencil, I would assume. Either mechanical pencil, pencil. Well, I guess there's still some testing and stuff that happens where you have to have a pencil for, um, you know, SATs or something. But yeah, does anybody even sharpen a pencil anymore? Would anyone even know? Even an electric pencil sharpener know what those are anymore it just it it was funny because i remember you know as a kid like that was when you were bored and wanted to get up from like your seat or like you want to talk to your friend for a couple minutes you kind of signaled <laughs> each other across from the room or like you know meet me at the pencil sharpener was like your <laughs> was your code and you go you'd both go up even if your pencil sharp even if your pencil didn't need to be sharpened like you'd break the lead just so you could show the teacher <laughs> i need to go sharpen my pencil my lead broke <laughs> some teachers were strict about that pencil sharpener usage. Um, so I really like that um, pencil sharpener because I, I bet some really young people were going, what is that thing? You know, she, <laughs> <laughs> she's winding it. So I really like that. You mentioned Hopper earlier uh, and that gross sticky slime that gets me every time on the tree. And it really cracked me up because there's a lot of Ghostbusters references in, in here, obviously with the kids and the music and stuff. Um, but his reaction to that slime reminded me so much of Bankman when they're in the <laughs> yeah. library and he's like, he, he like touches it and, or touches one of those like um, index cards, how they catalog the, the books and stuff. And he, he, he's trying to flick it off of him and he's like scraping his fingers along the cards and it just makes the whole situation even worse. And that's reminded me so much of what Hopper was doing whenever he's like trying to rub his fingers on the tree to get the slime off. <laughs> just. I thought it was a really great comedic moment and a real um, cool uh, drawback to uh, the Ghostbusters movie and Bankman in the library. Um, we didn't see her in this episode, but I think we saw her in the last one. You know, Mike's little sister, Holly, and I just found this out, so I wanted to bring it up. Uh-huh. We didn't see her. Mike's little sister, Holly, that I think is absolutely adorable. I think she does really great facial expressions in this show. Do you know that she also played Judith in The Walking Dead? I didn't. That's crazy. Yeah, I thought that was a, a cool little hmm. note that I had discovered in um, uncovering some things for the show. I thought she was somewhat recognizable, but, you know, we've seen a couple different Judiths in The Walking Dead. Sorry if that's a spoiler, anyone, if you're not, I don't know, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but, um, yeah, she played Judith at one time. I don't know that she's playing her now, but she did at one time. Uh, the, the two twins that play Holly played Judith. I thought that was really cool. Um, my last note... Inquiring minds, Sean, where are you on the nugget argument? Where are you on Three Musketeers? Oh, I don't mind Three Musketeers. Like again, I'm not a huge um, you know, like candy fan, but I'll eat a three musketeers. I gotta say, I'm with Lucas on this one. You know, Lucas and Dustin are arguing about 
you know, superior. Like, I am so sick of Three Musketeers. I am the same. I don't want to see a Three Musketeers in my Hell's <laughs> Basket. I'll trade it. I would trade with other kids. Like, I'll give you a Three Musketeers for your Snickers or something. I want some substance. I don't no, want to see nugget. If I'm going right, the best candy, it's going to be a Reese's Pieces, though. That's what I want. I want that chocolate and peanut butter. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. That's that's a respectable choice. I can I can go with that. Okay, well that 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 answers my question, and that also takes care of all of my notes for this round. So nice. I think we discussed that one pretty well. Do you want to start off with our first news item? Yep. Uh, so our first article comes from Variety. So Stranger Things season two just dropped last week, but the show pulled in impressive numbers in a very short amount of time. Episode one of the new season averaged a whopping 15.8 million viewers with approximately 11 million in the key demo, also within the first three days. And for the true bingers out there, 361,000 people watched all nine episodes of the season within the first 24 hours of its release. As a whole, the season averaged 8.8 million viewers per episode with 6.2 million in the key demo. Nelson's also determined that the average number of Stranger Things episodes that people in the U.S. 18 to 49 watched was 2.9, meaning that viewers who watch this program binged in a, on approximately three episodes at a time. Those numbers are pretty impressive. Nice. I mean, I've heard everybody talking about it and everybody saying how well it's doing, so that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's what makes it, I mean, not only just watching the show itself and and how it ends, you want to keep watching to see what happens. But again, without trying to get into any spoilers, I've been avoiding spoilers and almost trying to stay offline just to not know what happens next because we're trying to be true to watching this week by week. Um, you know, everything that I've heard, the non-spoiler stuff is that people really love this season. They've finished it. They loved it. They're also going back and rewatching one and then two again is what I'm hearing some people do. So that gives me uh, lots of faith to keep going. That's for sure. It's awesome. Good numbers. Good. <laughs> yeah, they'll go back. They'll watch it again and they can listen to us talk about it. Exactly. Because who doesn't want to listen to us over and over again? <laughs> Okay. Um, our next article is from Entertainment Weekly. So you may or may not heard, have heard um, a few weeks ago, it was announced that Keanu Reeves and the one and only Winona Ryder uh, were going to star in a rom-com together. And I think we all lost our minds at the prospect of such a brilliant and inspired idea, right? So that movie is still happening. And to prove it, Entertainment Weekly provided a really cool first look image at Reeves and Ryder together again. So the pair previously appeared in Bram Stoker's Dracula and a scanner darkly. Um, and here in the image that they provide, you can um, go Google that if you want to take a look at it on Entertainment Weekly. They star in Victor Levin's upcoming Destination Wedding as two miserable and unpleasant wedding guests, both pariahs at this affair who develop a mutual affection despite themselves. So according to the first photo from the film, that mutual affection involves gazing into each other's eyes and sharing a laugh over red wine. No release date has yet been announced for Destination Wedding, but I thought it was pretty cool to just include that. I, I know people are probably like moaning and groaning over those two in Bram Stoker's, Dr Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I would be one of those people moaning and groaning along with you. Um, did you watch Bram Stoker's Dracula, Sean? I have. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but it's been a bit. <sighs> yeah. It, they're, it, look, these are two super awesome people. I included this because selfishly, uh, I love Keanu Reeves. 
um, and I love Winona Ryder. And I am so hopeful. I was so hopeful back in the day when Dracula was happening, but the chemistry just was not there. And their accents were awful because they were like, in, they were British. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just, it was not good. It should have been great and it wasn't. So I keep holding out hope that somehow we're going to get these two together and it's going to be great. This might be awful, but I'm trying to hold out hope that it's great because they're two of my favorite actors. It has to be magic, right? So anyway, um, so yeah, a bit of news with some, when Hunter Ryder's got an upcoming project. See, so the EW also has, uh, so Game of Thrones star Sophie Turner has come to the defense of Stranger Things kids following a recent incident which Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike Wheeler, received some online criticism for not stopping to interact with fans outside of a hotel. Turner took to Twitter on Monday to speak up for the 14-year-old actor and his fellow young castmates, denouncing the behavior of those who were upset with Wolfhard. Damn, seeing full-grown adults wait outside the Stranger Things kids' hotel, etc., and then abuse them when they don't stop for them is super weird, A. What adult in their right minds waits for a child outside the hotel, and B, is then offended when the child doesn't stop, she wrote. It doesn't matter if they are an actor, they are kids first. Give them the space they need in order to grow without feeling like they owe anyone anything for living their adult childhood dreams. If anyone can speak from experience on this topic, it's Turner, who was 15 years old when she, the first season of Thrones premiered. Shannon Purser, who played Barb on Stranger Things, also spoke out in support of Wolfhard. Okay, no. No actor is under any obligation to stop for anyone, she tweeted. Finn is an incredibly kind human, but he's human and needs to needs breaks, too. Agreed. I've never... I've never been a like an autograph wolfhound. Even mm-hmm. when I like I was a kid, like twelve at a baseball game, I felt weird asking for somebody's autograph. Yeah. So I, I, it's even weirder too for a grown adult to be asking these kids for autographs and then being mad when they don't. It is kind of weird, and I kind of I get that, and I'm like you, where you know. So I go to things like if anyone out there also, you know, is familiar with like Walker Stalker Con and, you know, I've talked, we talked about it a little bit last week because that's where I went last weekend um, for Halloween and such. Um, So if you're familiar with that at all, you know, it's like that's, that's when you have permission to approach an actor and get your photo ops or to get, you know, your picture taken with them, get a selfie with them, get an autograph if that's it still feels weird even though you go to their table it feels weird asking for an autograph but you know hey that that's that's your thing and it's cool but that's when people that's when those people are expecting you to approach them and it's like it's okay i don't think it's okay to be waiting for someone outside of their hotel when they're just trying to live their life and do their thing and approach them to me that's just it's it's and even you know it's even stranger to me just when they're children, let them be kids and realize that they are kids. You know, they're actors. Yeah. They're awesome when they're watching the show, but try to keep in mind people, they are kids. Um, and they do have downtime. You know, whenever I go to these Walker stalkers, sometimes you stay in the same hotel as these actors, but I never approach them when we're in the hotel lobby, when we're standing in the lobby, like when we're staying there getting coffee together, I'm not like, Hey, can I get your autograph? Dude's trying to get his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, let them have their time. So, yeah, good for Sophie Turner and uh, Shannon Purser for sticking up for Finn Wolfhard. That's uh, it's not easy. Oh, I mean, these kids have school. They have like this, like they're fifteen, and they have this, like you know, they're no like this world renowned fame almost. Like it's tough enough as is. Like give them a break. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, 
Good article. Okay, so we also have, we got some really great feedback from you guys because we didn't have a whole lot of feedback because we uh, we watched the episode and then uh, podcasted on it like immediately. So we didn't really have a chance to give you guys give too much feedback. So we've got a little bit of feedback, um, more than what we normally do. So that is super awesome. Thanks, guys. So we got a little bit of feedback here. And the first portion of our feedback is going to refer back to episode one. So if this um, sounds a little bit off for se- for the second episode, this is why. This is some feedback from episode one. So for the first one we have is from Christian Quiller. And I am so sorry. I'm horrible with names. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. He says, guys, your podcast is awesome and a great addition to the Podcastica family. I haven't quite caught up with all your episodes yet. I have one more to go. So this comment is kind of late with your viewing schedule. Uh, did you guys catch the open egg similar to the ones in alien movies? Well, yes, I did. Thank you. Um, when Hopper and Joyce are walking around in the upside down, I have so many questions about it. Keep up the good work. Um, yeah, I think if you catch up to that episode, you'll notice I think we did make a reference to that mm-hmm. and how cre- creepy it was and how familiar. So thanks, Christian. Uh, let us know when you get caught up and keep writing in. Steve Brown. So I need to rewatch it. Two, Rima. F and Ted asked Mike if he jumped off a cliff line. Remember, Mike actually did have to jump off a cliff in season one. It shows how oblivious Ted is. <laughs> That's a great call. Absolutely. Des Combs says, really quick, uh, number five, Dragon's Lair. Hardest arcade game ever. Number four, worst double date ever. KFC with your dead best friend's parents. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love thank KFC. You. It's uh it's finger looking good. I know. <laughs> Number 3, Joyce has a boyfriend. Although it re- reminds me on Buffy when her mom, also Joyce, got the android boyfriend. Oh, uh, great callback, Des. Yeah. Uh, number two, the feels I got seeing Hopper and Eleven together made me sad and happy at the same time. Number one, no Mike. You do not put the Millennium Falcon in a yard sale. In 30 years, you can get a few thousand for it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree, Steve. Fucking Ted. Although I didn't even think of the actual jumping off a cliff. Good points there, Des. I agree. You do not put up the Millennium Falcon in a yard sale. It's like putting up Castle Grayskull, too. What, mm-hmm. What's up with that? So here's some of the feedback for episode two. So from Kristen Howe, I'm having trouble with Eleven's isolation again. I understand Hopper has to keep her protected, but there's a very little difference between her isolation at the center and now. I'm hoping to get some extra answers to this in the coming episodes. Also, I put together that it looked as if the Upside Down and actual Hawkins are somehow merging and it blew my mind until I saw a trailer for the whole season and it seemed that was already relayed through the trailer. Womp womp, I'm still smart. (laughs) (laughs) Good observation, Kristen. Um, Doug Taylor says, poor Nancy. As Barb's best friend, this deal about keeping quiet is probably the most awful for her. I'm glad the writers chose to explore that plot point, and I'm interested to see how it drives her character. Laura Willie Swanks, uh, what a great start to season two. I love the addition of Sean Astin. He is so adorable, and I just want to cuddle him. If he turns out to be a bad guy, it'll break my heart. And I love Mad Max. When she jumped the boys dressed as Michael Myers, I laughed out loud. But look out, there's now a girl in the midst of our fabulous four of stir up pr- to stir up problems. I actually felt really bad for poor Steve, no longer a D, <laughs> when Nancy said she didn't love him. The last scene with Eleven and Mike broke my heart. A couple of questions for Rima and Sean. 
with what and why was Dr. Paul Reiser injecting Will during his visit? And I don't know his name, but is Max brother the new Steve the D? <laughs> yes, Billy is the new D. He's the dude from hell. <laughs> We're, I'm counting on you, Sean, to come up with, you got, you came up with Steve the D, you get that credit. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to count on you to come up with something for Billy. So, we'll have to get something good whenever he starts kind of talking more. I think that we need to maybe see another episode, and maybe if we see some more Billy, you're going to be able to formulate a pretty good um, uh, name for him. So I'm counting on you, uh, <laughs> brother. Um, I don't know what he was injecting in Will. Was it maybe something to calm him? I don't remember Yeah, It was just kind of like a regular doctor visit type thing where they just stick something in you. But Yeah, I don't feel like it was a flu shot. Um, and could that be what's allowing him to go between the worlds? Maybe. I don't know. Ooh, are they doing something freaky deaky on him that he doesn't even know? I mean, Lord oh, knows. Possibly, what they, yeah. I mean, it's hard telling what they could be doing to him. Do They could be doing using him as an experiment. I feel like they're totally using Will. Like, yeah, maybe they do know he's, well, obviously, clearly he's telling them about his ex- experiences or episodes, as they call them. Um, are they using that? For their end, I mean, we don't know that these guys are any better or that he's any better than Dr. Brenner. He's certainly, like you mentioned before, he, he's certainly got a better bedside manner. But uh doesn't mean he's a good guy, right? Mm-mm. Ugh, yeah, good points there, Will, uh, Laura, because we don't know uh, what his motives are. Um, the next one is from Julie DeHaan. I loved seeing the story of what happened to Eleven Between Seasons. I was afraid they would leave us hanging there. I also love how they are bringing us into all the D&D boys' homes. I like seeing Dustin and his mom and Lucas with his sister, who is so (laughs) funny. What a sassy sister. (laughs) And the music is still going strong. I personally loved hearing Wango Tango and Girls on Film. Hey, Julie, my soul sister. (laughs) Yes, we love the same music. That was great. And yeah, Lucas's little sister, holy crap. Can we please get more of her? (laughs) She was great. Dave Mason. So in season two, episode two, when Eleven comes uh, of, let's see, when it comes of the wall from the upside down to the school, did you notice the blood trails going up and down the hall? Maybe I forgot something from last season, but thinking of maybe those were showing something else had come out through the hole before her. Just a thought. Keep up the great podcast and enjoy your vacations. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if it was like the the guards coming or the government coming in and kind of cleaning up. It's like they'd remove the bodies and they're going to go through and clean up the blood to like make it look like nothing happened. Yeah, totally. Um, I did notice that. Um, Steve Brown, um, he's saying this is for chapter two. So loved 11's halfway happy. Yeah, that was a good line. Um, the argument about who is dressing up as Bankman. I loved Winston, by the way. <laughs> Dustin's awkward asking Max to go <laughs> trick-or-treating. <laughs> Hopper Seven getting- sharp. <laughs> I Hopper getting back into full-on investigative mode shows again that he's more than just a small-town cop. Sorry that when he does forget about Eleven. Um, Eleven's Guide to Wilderness Survival. Kill a cook (laughs) squirrel and use squirrel to knock out Hunter. (laughs) He has notes. He says Hopper knowing about PTSD before it was a thing is a little out of place. I love Joyce and Winona Ryder. Is that weird? When did Hopper start putting food in the box? I actually felt kind of bad for Steve. Not much as a D, except he left. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you, Steve. That was my point as well. He left. He should have at least hung around, made sure that she made it home safe. Well, I think that this, so he's talking about the PTSD. So this would have been coming off, because uh, when Hopper was talking about it, he'd been talking about 
friends that he knew that went to Vietnam. Yeah. And I know like there's a lot of talk about, you know, those the, the soldiers that came back from that were not right because of all the stuff they had to see. And basically they had PTSD, but they didn't label it that. I think hoppers, I mean, I'm sure there's people here just like were sensitive to that. You know, of course, today it's even more so because it has a name. But back then it was kind of you just weren't strong enough. You weren't, you know, able to get past it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really I, I'm sure there were people like Hopper who understood that just there's this thing that just just when people come back from these big events, they're just not quite right because of them. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh... It may not be right off of, but it's, I think Vietnam is probably still pretty fresh where people were experiencing some PTSD. So thanks, Steve. So we got a couple emails. So, hey, Rima and Sean. Rima, I met you and Duncan at Walker Stalker Con this past weekend, and you insisted I listen to y'all's Stranger Things podcast. I'm on Chapter 4 right now, and I'm trying to rewatch Season 1 so I can watch Season 2 with you guys. I'm really enjoying it. My wife is watching it with me for the first time and had a thought I hadn't heard before. See, she suspected that Eleven is actually Hopper's daughter who supposedly died. What are y'all's thoughts on this? Hopefully this isn't confirmed or debunked in season two already, but just wanted to put it out there. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Hunter Steely from Birmingham. Hey, Hunter. Yeah, super cool to meet you um, at Walker Stalker. Met a lot of great people that um, already listened to us. And of course, if anybody was listening to sit still for 30 seconds, I was going to try to convince them to listen to us. <laughs> I was on a mission. Um, yeah, really good thoughts. I don't know what I think about Eleven actually being uh, Hopper's daughter. I think she honestly was, um, oh golly, Terry, the woman Terry that we met in the first season. Oh, yeah, who, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, thought her baby died. Or, well, uh, she believes that they kidnapped her daughter and she believes she's alive. Her sister thought that she miscarried and everyone thought she miscarried. I think it's her daughter. Is and I think Hopper would have to kind of at least know it was his daughter somehow, unless they did some <laughs> kind of like body swap type thing, but yeah, um, maybe he's not so far into the season yet where he's seen, cause we don't see Hopper's daughter in season one until kind of late. It's always like the penultimate, I think. Mm, episode. Yeah. Good call. So maybe he just hasn't caught up that far. Let us know what you think. Keep writing in Hunter. Thanks. It was super awesome to meet you. Um, so Ron Gusecki says, so the downside of the Stranger Things series is the fact that the episodes are unilaterally posted so that it can be binged. I'm listening to the podcast episode one now. Not sure if this parallel occurred to you and it may later, but Joyce's breakdown in the house is parallel, parallel to Roy Neary in Close Encounters building the devil's tower out of mashed potatoes in his house. He wasn't crazy. This means something. (laughs) He knew what was going on. Um, <laughs> the Deffers are brilliant. Um, yeah, I remember that. What a great, great callback. Good mashup. I don't know that I ever made that um, uh, connection, but thanks for that. I always love when uh, viewers uh, are viewers and listeners are letting us know some of these that we miss and uh, that kind of get biased. So thanks. Thanks, Ron. And I agree the Deffers are brilliant. So, hi, Rima and Sean. I listened to the first podcast for Season 2, and you were both great. I just wish I had watched Stranger Things Season 2 before you started the podcast to throw my thoughts in. But here they are. Episode 1 made me feel like I did when I was 12 in 1984. Sorry to give my age. Oh, well, I I digress. (laughs) I was one of those kids that went to the arcade like all the kids back then. It cost a buck fifty to play Dragon's Lair back then. Holy crap. That was a lot of money for a kid. Sometimes we had to cash in cans, do chores, or, well, in my case, had to do more work for the family business and make money. 
I can definitely relate to the wanting to play these arcade games and get the comic books. I'm also loving the throwback to Halloween, my favorite time of the year. Ours too. Mm-hmm. The kids were go- being Ghostbusters. Mind you, I was their age in 1984, and I never even fathomed the idea of creating a costume like those. I wish they were my friends at age 12. I find it funny that Steve the D is looking to make things work in this episode. He's trying to make things work and make clear that he cares for Mike's sister. Will's trying to get through the trauma of what had happened and what is going on. Paul Reiser's still playing the innocent D-bag like he did in Aliens, but this time as <laughs> the doctor for the company. Once I saw him, I never trusted him from the get-go. He used a lot of words and manipulation from what I saw. Hopper is still Hopper and cares. I just want to see him and Winona Ryder's character get together in the end. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I can see that. They seem so fit for one another in the show. They just don't, they just don't know it yet. Plus, the typical adolescent antics of wanting to be with a girl that you and your friend are both are into. Max seems special, something that we don't know yet. Hmm. Keep up the podcasting. I'll send another email soon about the second episode. I hope you had a great time in Atlanta, Rima. And the name is redacted. Oh, that was from Mark Kirkman. Oh, that was from Mark Kirkman. Yeah, Sorry, hey, Mark. Mark. Yeah, I did have a great time in Atlanta. Thank you so much. I think anyone that was a part of the the, the group and saw some of the things that I posted, I had a pretty good time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was um, pretty great. And I agree with a lot of things. Um, I did not, you know, I went to the arcade too as a kid, and I, I maybe, well, from a small town, maybe you had to live in a bigger city to have Dragon's Lair. I don't remember Dragon's Lair. I remember some other games, but dollar fifty, holy hell. That was a lot in 1984 and a lot for kids to scrounge up that kind of cash to go play a video game. Yeah, I think that's more than the games cost now, too. I think the higher-end ones are like a buck, maybe, maybe two bucks. Oh, man, I don't even know. I haven't even – It's it's been a few years. I've, I've taken my kiddo to try to experience the whole arcade thing, um, so it's been a few years. I'd have to uh, check one out. Oh, gosh, do I have to go check out an arcade for some research? <laughs> oh, if I, I think have so, to. yeah. <laughs> So anyway, thank you everyone so much. We've gotten some great feedback. I think that we also have um, a couple voicemails or yeah, voicemails we have. Two from Steve. So he's got one on the first chapter. Hey, Raymond, Sean, it's Steve. I just finished the rewatch of episode one, Mad Max, and thought I'd send a voice memo to say a couple of thoughts that I thought was kind of cool. Um, First, I didn't notice it the first time around, but Hopper's little signal with the typewriter that signaled his secretary to call him that uh, he had somewhere to go uh, was pretty good. Um, Obviously, uh, the reveal of Eleven at the end is probably the best. Uh, Steve's still a D. I don't know. Uh, He totally ignored Jonathan completely at the lockers, almost like Jonathan didn't even exist to him. That was my impression anyway. And let's see. Um, just looking forward to hearing your thoughts on episode two. I'm probably going to binge watch most of it this evening. Love the podcast and can't wait to hear what you guys say. See you. And then here is Steve with his thoughts on chapter two. Hey, guys. It's Steve from Oklahoma. Just had a couple of notes for chapter two. Um <laughs> Loved Eleven's uh, Halfway Happy there at the beginning. That was pretty good. The argument about the boys, about who was going to dress up as Vinkman was great. Uh, I loved Winston, by the way. He was my favorite Ghostbuster. Uh, Dustin's awkward uh, asking Max to go trick-or-treating with them, and then what followed after that was pretty funner. Uh, 
Hopper getting back into full-on investigative mode shows again that uh, he's not just a small-town cop. Uh, but sorry that when that happens, he forgets about Eleven. And then finally, Eleven's guide to wilderness survival. Kill and cook Squirrel, and then use Squirrel to knock out Hunter and steal his clothes. Uh, a few notes that I thought that uh, occurred to me was uh, Hopper knowing about PSD, PTSD and sounded like he was referring to battle-type PTSD, and that's kind of out of place for the 80s, but hey, it's it's uh, a topic now, so good job there. Um, I love Joyce, and I love Winona Ryder. Um, when did Hopper start putting food in the box? That would be the question that they never answered. Um, and then I actually felt kind of bad for Steve, who's not quite as much of a D anymore, um, except he left, so... Anyway, those are my thoughts. I hope it wasn't too long. Talk to you next time. Thank you again. Thanks for the voicemail. That's super awesome. I love, love hearing voicemails. We're getting emails and lots of cool feedback on um, our Facebook page. So thanks, everyone, for taking the time to write in. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, everybody. So next week's episode, we'll be covering the third episode from Season 2, titled Chapter 3, The Polywog. The description for this episode is Dustin adopts a strange new pet and Eleven grows increasingly impatient. A well-meaning Bob urges Will to stand up to his fears. Hmm. We might get to see whatever that little... Yeah. What's in the trash can. What's in the trash can. We might get get some answers maybe. So... We are so excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Game of Microphones, which is actually going through and watching season the first few seasons of Game of Thrones at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, comes out every Sunday. Yeah, you can find the link in the show notes. And just remember, go out to Freshly.com where you can choose meals for the week from the rotating menu that Freshly will send to you in a refrigerated box. Just go to the Freshly.com and use the promo code STRANGE and they'll give out list the listeners two weeks of chef-cooked dinners for $40 off. That's $20 off the first order and $20 off the second. Mm. I don't know if they had French toast, though. Oh, <laughs> we, should, we should try to talk to them and get, get them to add that. <laughs> All right, well, that's our show, Episode 10, Chapter 2, Trick or Treat Freak. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Lindsay Rockenkamp is strange indeed. Nice costume. Huh? Nice costume. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going as a guy who hates parties. (laughs) I'm Samantha. Uh, Jonathan. My guy.